This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Brewers on Tap. Welcome to episode number 62 of Brewers on Tap. Lane Grindle with you for another edition of the podcast as the Brewers completed the Jonathan Lucroy jeremy Jeffress trade from August 1st this week. Ryan Cordell, a 24-year-old prospect that primarily will play center field but can also play the corners and even some infield, is the player to be named later from Texas. Cordell has a good combination of speed and power. He managed to hit 19 home runs this season at A Frisco, even though he's been out of the lineup with an injury for the last month. He hit 264, drove in 70 runs over 107 games. The Brewers also brought a few extra bodies up as September call-ups. Right-handed pitcher Taylor Youngman is back with the crew, as is right-handed pitcher Damian Magnifico. Youngman, of course, finished the season in Biloxi, Magnifico with Colorado Springs. Also catcher Andrew Susak, who was a part of that Will Smith trade, he is set to join the Brewers as well. Well, let's take a look at this week in Brewers history. And now, this week in Brewers history. September 7, 2010, all-time saves leader Trevor Hoffman notches career save number 600 in a 4-2 win versus St. Louis. Time to review this past week for the Brewers. Very strong week this past week. A win against the Cardinals on Wednesday in 3-1 to fashion. Matt Garza got the win, Tyler Thornburg the save, and Kirk Neuenheis with the big hit in the game. 1-0 pitch, swing and a drive, deep into right field. Brewers take a 3-0 lead. The Brewers then had Thursday off before traveling to Pittsburgh for a three-game series with the Pirates. Friday's contest, a 1-0 shutout in favor of the crew. Seven total pitchers used in the game for the Brewers. Just the third time that that's been done in a shutout in MLB history. Then Saturday's game was a back-and-forth affair that was highlighted by Chris Carter's two-run blast. Pitch to Carter. Swing and a drive deep into left. Brewers take a 2-1 lead. Oh, what a shot by Chris Carter. He just picked up Hernan Perez in a big way. And he gave the crew a 2-1 lead. Sunday was a runaway 10-0 win for the Brewers with home runs from Chris Carter, two from Domingo Santana, and this one from Jonathan VR. 2-2 coming back. Hit down the left field line. Marte giving chase back. It goes. It's gone. Just inside the foul pole. A pinch hit grand slam for Jonathan VR. Brewers lead it 5-0. The Brewers swept the Pirates and returned home for a Labor Day matchup with the Cubs. Good game going into the eighth inning, but the Cubs eventually broke it open on their way to a 7-2 win. And then on Tuesday night, 
the Brewers came back and uh, were able to claim a win to even up this series with the Cubs. Now let's get the 4-1-1 on the Brewers hitters. Let's break it down. Lane Grindle joined by Brewers assistant hitting coach Jason Lane. Laner, good to see you. Uh, obviously, uh, we, we flipped the calendar now into September, and you've had uh, a lot of young guys that you and D.C. have worked with over the course of this year. How do you feel some of those guys have developed as the season's gone along? I think some guys have made some good progress. I think they've um, some of them who've been with us early in the year had some early struggles and had to uh, sort of grind through those things, and, and they've made some adjustments and continue making adjustments, and They've seen some some of those adjustments pay off a little bit, but uh, they're understanding that uh, it's it's a tough game up here and that you really have to be disciplined at this level, and they're starting to get that. You know, you, you, you experienced this as a player and now experiencing it as a coach, but how fun is it when you see, and we'll use Keon Broxton as the example because he's the, the easy one to use for this year. Guys go up and down, and each time you get them back, up with the big league club, they look a little bit different. They've developed a little bit more. Yeah, I think I think young players they certainly never want to go down. But uh, I think Keon's done a great job when he when he did get sent down. The times he did that he went down with a work workman type mentality and and ironed some things out and then came back up ha- having made a few adjustments and then obviously up here has continued to work on it. But it, it's good to see when when they don't they take that demotion. Uh, and make something positive out of it rather than uh, it, it's off, it's easy to, to get down on yourself and go down there and, and struggle just because of the letdown. But uh, he hasn't done that at all, and it's starting to pay off for him. He's hitting the ball hard. Um, you know, had a tough homestand, but but prior to that was having a, a really big stretch where he was hitting the bar. Even the, the outs that he was making were hard-hit balls. W- what did you see as the biggest difference for him that was allowing him to make that change? Uh, with him, it, it, he tightened his swing up a little bit. Uh, he had a little length. Uh, early in the year on it and so in that he his timing was off or he had to make earlier decisions and was was prone to chasing pitches out of the zone Um, and anytime you're doing that it makes it really tough to hit Uh, this recent hot streak uh, he was a lot short of the ball which gave him more time to make good decisions with clarity and he was squaring squaring balls up in the strike zone uh, at, at a high rate and you know He's still going to struggle with that, and he went through a little rough stretch at home, and it was it was still the same thing. And, and um, he's aware of that, continues to work on it. And um, when he tightens things up, it, it comes the ball comes off with authority. And someone that is coming off a pretty good home stand is Orlando Arcia. Look like he's starting to settle in and and understand what his plan at the plate needs to be. Yeah, similar similar to Keon, as he had, he had a ton of movement um, in his swing. And when he got up here, uh, it got exposed a little bit early on. And, and we've talked to him and worked with him on, on shortening that, that up so he has more time for pitch recognition. That's, that's the biggest thing at this level is, is you need to recognize and you need to hit strikes. And, and the pitchers are better up here where they're, if, they, if they see a hole or a weakness, they'll exploit that. And that's when you have to make adjustments off of that. He's done a better job of that of late and gotten some big hits and, and made much more hard contact, which is... All you can really do as a hitter is make your goal to hit the ball hard. It doesn't always mean you're going to get hits, but it gives you the best chance at a hit. You know, one of the things that we talk about uh, a lot with the young guys, Broxton and Arcee, and we, I think we forget that Jonathan Villar is a young guy still, too. Aaron Perez is a young guy still, too. And so there's a lot of these guys that, that you're working with that are getting extended playing time really for the first time in their career. Perez has shown some power. 
uh, and maybe we hadn't seen that as much prior to this year. What have you seen with his swing that's allowed him to, to show some of that power? Uh, I've always seen the power in his swing and batting practice. Uh, I, I saw it early on. I think we all did. I think the fact that he's getting consistent at bats, it start, it's, it's showing up. But, again, he, he has a, 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 long, a longer swing in the zone where he stays through the ball for an awful long time, and so he has more room for air to, ke- to catch the ball uh, a little deep and, and more towards the front and still drive, drive the ball with power. And, um, you know, as he's gotten more at-bats, one of his big problems, too, was, was chasing pitches and, and swinging a lot at, at a lot of offerings and, and wasn't walking a ton. And um, as the season's gone on, he's been more selective. And when he gets a ball that he can handle, he, he hits the ball hard, and that's starting to happen more often. He's been very consistent as uh, his, his bats have been more consistent. It's great to see. And, and VR has been a great uh, leadoff man all year. He competes really well. I think one of his strengths is as a competitor, even when he's not feeling great in the box, he, he competes really hard. And a lot of times that that alone can, can uh, make you have success. And uh, he's been a great jumpstart to our offense with a high on-base percentage and, and maintained a, a fairly high average all year. He hasn't had any uh, real major slumps that I can think of, um, which, is, which is great to see. Jason, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for having me, Lane. Our thanks to Brewers assistant hitting coach Jason Lane for joining us here on Brewers on Tap. It's time now to go down on the farm. Checking in on the farm. Well, the big news for the Brewers minor league affiliates is Class A Wisconsin. They punched their ticket into the Midwest League playoffs this past weekend, and they are headed to the playoffs. It's going to be exciting. They will begin their quest for a Midwest League championship Wednesday in Appleton. They play the Cedar Rapids Colonels in a best-of-three series, the first game in Appleton, the second and the, if necessary, third game will be in Cedar Rapids. It'd be their second Midwest League pennant for the Timber Rattlers as they won their first title back in 2012. Right-handed pitcher Jordan Yamamoto will take the bump for the T-Rats in the opening game against the Colonels. Pearl City native finished his regular season campaign going 7-8 and with a 3.82 ERA in 27 games. And he allowed 31 walks strike while striking out 152 is 152 placed him second in the Midwest League and third in the organization. The Timber Rattlers in general set a Midwest League record with 1,294 strikeouts this season. That mark broke the previous record of 1,292 that was held by the 2011 Dayton Dragons. Here's my conversation with Timber Rattlers manager Matt Erickson from back earlier in the summer when he knew he had a really talented club with a great chance for a big second half surge. This is Brewers on Tap, and we're joined by Wisconsin Timber Atlas manager Matt Erickson. This is uh, an exciting group of guys that you have here. A lot of young guys, but uh, a lot of talent in this group. You have to feel good about this group. Absolutely. You know, uh, every year when you come into uh, the championship season, you have a, a fresh, new, young talent. Um, and as you can see behind me, it uh, doesn't look like we're going to get much preparation today, but. That's what we try to do every, every year when we come uh, out of spring training. We try to develop a, a daily routine for these young young kids so that talent can turn into baseball skill. Um, and, and hopefully we, ha- we put together a consistent ball club over time. Another young guy that was acquired in the offseason is Isan Diaz. And 
he has really come around in June. He's had a nice June for you. Extremely talented young man that can play the middle infield, play either spot in the middle infield. How valuable has he been to you guys this year? He's been uh, he's been exciting to watch and exciting to grow up or see grow up just in the in the few months that he's been here. Um, some maturity issues, you know, as far as dealing dealing with failure, but the baseball skill is 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 good. It's exciting. Uh, he's a he's a guy that right now is playing shortstop. Um, you might grade his arm as below average when you're talking about big league shortstops, uh, but his footwork is really good. His his feet are active, um, and we've challenged him. Uh, and his footwork to increase his arm development as far as accuracy and strength. Uh, and he's really taken to that. He's shown that he can make all the plays at shortstop going in the hole, uh, deep in the hole, coming in on slow rollers. Uh, he turns the double play nice. He's got good hands. Um, some people think uh, they see him on the, on the other side of the infield at second base at higher levels. So we've introduced some of that to him. He's played a few series over, that, over at that position in the first half as well as uh, taking ground balls there on a daily basis. As far as the stick is concerned, I think he's a guy who's capable of hitting for average and power. You know, little in stature, but stocky, uh, and, and has a quick bat that uh, can really create some, some bat speed and hit the ball uh, with power to all parts of the field. Does he remind you of anybody you've seen at this level in the last few years? Um, that's a good question. You know. Uh, Maybe not, not so much in the last few years. Um, I'm drawing a blank here. Second baseman with the with the Mariners was with the Yankees. No, oh, Robin the, Cano. Robin Cano. Yeah, he 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 likes Cano. He looks up to Cano. You know, he kind of emulates his some of the stuff that he does around him, uh, and you can see some of his actions in his game. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's the guy that uh, I think he would he would most likely want to be resembled to. Absolutely. Kate Gatewood, um, back with you this year and um, had that big week in, in early May. <clears throat> One, he's learning third base. How, how has that transition been? And two, has that at times, you think, distracted him from the, the offensive game? Uh, he certainly has great power, as we know. For sure. Yeah, Jake, as, as you mentioned, uh, going through a position change, it started last fall uh, a little bit. Uh, when we started moving him to third base and then uh, flip-flopping shortstop to third base. And then when we acquired Isan Diaz and it was, uh, they made the decision that Diaz was going to come here and play shortstop primarily every day, uh, they thought maybe the body type uh, uh, projects better at the third base position. Um, and to be honest, you know, there's not a lot of prospects at the third base position standing in the way. Uh, there's a definite need uh, at higher levels throughout the organization. Uh, and hopefully, uh, eventually, in the big leagues at third base for Mr. Gatewood. But um, I think his first test was was realizing that the third base position was more of a front back position as opposed to a ranging side to side position. It's more of a reaction drop step position side to side. But you really got to be able to to recognize when to come in uh, on slow rollers and bunts and stuff like that. Um, and if you saw the last uh, last couple series here. Um, he's starting to make that play look routine. Uh, and for a big man at 6'5", he's got some pretty good body control. Uh, and he's showing that he can feel the ball off the run, make, make the exchange, and give an accurate throw over to first base. Uh, he's made a number of nice plays over the last few days uh, on that particular play. Um, as you mentioned, you know, the, the power potential stands out with the bat. His, uh, his challenge as a, as a young hitter 
is trying to get in position consistent, consistently to recognize pitches. Um, too often he'll chase out of the zone uh, and he'll get behind in counts and then he becomes a defensive hitter. Um, if he can learn early in the count to be, become a little more selective um, and win more counts, then I think you'll see some of those power numbers go through the roof. Uh, but until then, um, you're going to see some inc inconsistencies in his offensive game. You've had some injuries you've had to deal with. Monte Harrison, of course, is going to be out for four to six weeks. And Trent Clark's been on and off the DL since he joined you. But what have you seen from those guys? Monte was really starting to turn the corner, it looked like, before the injury. Yeah, absolutely. Monte, you know, everybody uh, <clears throat> makes a big deal of that, uh, that physical ability, and, and rightfully so. But in, in when you talk about baseball skill, um, the physical ability, I mean, you have to put yourself into situations to use that skill. And, and before he got hurt, there was a two-week stretch where he was impacting the game in every aspect of the game. Uh, at the plate, he was getting into position to recognize pitches. He was winning counts. Uh, the ball was, was coming off his bat hard to all fields. Uh, he was running down balls in center field, getting really good jumps off the bat there. Uh, and on the bases, he was starting to make an impact. And not just by stealing bases, but going first to third and, uh, and finding the ball when he gets to an extra base and taking advantage of throwing errors. I know there was a couple times he, he got to third and snapped his head around, found that the ball was kicked away at first base and was able to score. Um, so he was starting to think ahead of the game um, and, and, his, and using that skill uh, to his advantage. And Trent Clark, what, what did you see from him in the, in the brief amount of time you've been able to work with him so far? Trent Clark, he's, uh, he's a guy that's exciting. You know, one of the things that jumped out right when he got here was uh, the, his willingness to put pressure on the defense. Uh, he really, he gets out of the box and he's looking for the extra base all the time. Uh, unfortunately, he played for about a week and then had a hamstring issue uh, that has hampered him as of late. He sat out for... Uh, about a week to 10 days, and then we brought him back. He was fine for a few days, and then he had a, another leg injury. Uh, same leg, different spot. So he's currently on the DL, uh, and we're gonna make sure that, that his lower half is healthy before we put him back out on the field. Um, but another kid that's exciting could impact the game, um, both offensively and defensively. What do you like about managing at this level, Matt? Well, there's a lot of teaching. There's a, there's a, you have to have a lot of patience. There's no doubt about it. Um, but uh, what I like about it is, uh, you know, you get a you get a fresh fresh crew each year, and then uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of things behind the scenes scenes that aren't so much baseball oriented. You know, that you help the kids uh, away from the field, try to develop as young men, uh, try to be respectful, um, and, and understand that there's a lot of people um, that are one cheering for them for them, and there's a, a lot of people that are involved in the overall development of them. And uh, I think it's important that they understand that and appreciate that. Um, and then obviously it's important for them to go out on a day-to-day -day basis and give their best effort possible. Our thanks to Matt Erickson for joining us here on the podcast and best of luck to the Timber Rattlers in the playoffs. We'll be following them closely. Here's the rest of the breakdown for the Brewers minor league affiliates. The Colorado Springs Sky Sox finished the year with a 67 71 and one record in the Pacific Coast League. Double-A Biloxi was in the playoff hunt until the very end, but fell just shy of making it. In fact, about a half game out of making it into the Southern League playoffs. They went 39-30 in the first half. They lost a lot of that core of that team that got moved up to Colorado Springs as the season went along and uh, finished 33-37 in the second half of the Southern League season. 
Class A Brevard County, very young team in a very challenging Florida State League. Had a tough first half at 23 and 45, had an even tougher second half at 17 and 52 in that second half. Look for that team to be much improved next year. They'll be moving, of course. Uh, they will not be in Brevard County. They played their final game in Brevard County on Sunday. That organization is going to rename the franchise and move to Kissimmee. And then, of course, uh, the rookie Helena Brewers up in the Pioneer League. Uh, still with a few games left for them, but um, they 12-21 uh, and 21 in the second half. They went 15-23 and 23 in their first half in the Pioneer League. Uh, some notes on some specific players. Everybody talking about Lewis Brinson and what he's done uh, since being a part of the Brewers organization as a part of that Jonathan Lucroy, Jeremy Jeffress trade. He went one for four in his final game of the season on Sunday, and in 23 games with the Colorado Springs, he batted 382 with 13 extra base hits. And a guy to keep an eye on in those Class A playoffs, Corey Ray has been moved back down to Class A so he can be a part of the playoffs. So take a look at the first-round draft pick for the Brewers playing in the Midwest League playoffs. But also Lucas Ersig, who was a 2016 draft pick, uh, Lucas Ersig has had a phenomenal first year uh, of professional baseball, hitting 327, 17 doubles, 4 triples, 9 home runs, 51 RBIs, and 9 steals in 68 games between Helena and Wisconsin. Here's what's on tap with the Brewers. Well, the Give Back game is coming your way Sunday, September 25th. It's the Reds game at 1.10 p.m., the final Brewers home game of the season. And this is going to be the first time in franchise history that this has happened. The Brewers are going to donate nearly all ticket proceeds from their game that day to four local charities, Boys and Girls Club of Greater Milwaukee, the MAC Fund, which is Midwest Athletes Against Childhood Cancer, Make-A-Wish Foundation Wisconsin, and the Wisconsin Humane Society. Tickets for the Brewers' 25th of September game versus Reds are not available for purchase as they traditionally are. Instead... Fans will be able to get tickets by going to Brewers.com slash giveback and naming their own ticket price. The minimum price is $10. All proceeds from their purchase will be donated to one of those four participating charities. Tickets will be made available by level and distributed on a first-come, first-served basis, beginning with field level, then on to loge, then club, and etc. Fans can get the best seats in the house for a great price, and you can be helping with a local cause as well. You can call 414-902-4000 if you want to make donations of greater than $50. Each ticket can be purchased for a non-deductible minimum donation of $10, and then you can pay more to support the charity up to $50 per ticket. And then, as I just told you, if you want to go above $50, it's 414-902-4000 to get that done. Should be fun. We hope that uh, we'll see you out there at the ballpark on September 25th for the final game of the 2016 regular season for the Brewers. That's going to do it for Brewers on Tap. We thank you for listening. Until next week, I'm Lane Grindle. Have a good one, everybody.